Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Friday afternoon, good to be with you. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross and Michael Borky with you to wrap up the work week. Brian Haydad is off. He'll be off on Monday as well. Thank you for being with us. Want to be part of the conversation? C Spire text line is the best way to do it. That number, you probably know it by now. If you don't, maybe save it in your phone so you've got it whenever you need it. 601. Help me out, Borky. Every great once in a while, it just freezes. 879-4395. 601-879-4395. That is the C Spire text line. 601-879-4395. See, that's why you need to save it in your phone. So that when you blink one day, like I just did, you'll have it right there. Bull. There's a lot of it in wireless, but C Spire thinks you deserve a plan that's actually what it says. Here's the real deal. The best plan for one or two lines, $45 with auto pay and paperless billing. No bull. Cspire.com. So the Division I Council, NCAA Board of Directors, on the recommendation of the D1 Council yesterday, has approved um, all fall sports athletes getting an extra year of eligibility, which is going to lead to some crazy roster management stuff over the, uh, the coming years. We'll get into that this afternoon. Major League Baseball has another postponement. This time it involves the New York Mets and, as a result, involves the Yankees as well as they were supposed to play the Subway Series this weekend. Luke Johnson is going to join us on the uh, Farm Bureau phone line coming up uh, in just a little while, about half an hour from right now. It's kind of a tough week for Southern Miss football with guys opting out and electing to transfer. Also, Chris Hopwood's going to join us from the sports book at Timeout Lounge at uh, Pearl River Resort in the greater Philadelphia area. So we're going to talk some uh, sports betting with him as uh, they have gotten things back up and rolling. Mississippi State has had a player that has opted out, all of that going on. But you've buried the lead, Richard. In the sports world, there's something going on right now. Not that lead, a different lead. Breaking news, okay. Mississippi State is going to be selling beer in the stadium this fall. That is breaking news. I missed it. It ju- literally just, just happened. That? Yeah, it just happened. Common sense prevails. Mississippi State football, the Hale State Twitter account. MSU reveals game day operational guidelines, stadium capacity projections, COVID-19 st- safeguards, and resort status implementation for Davis-Wade Stadium in 2020. And yeah, from a common sense standpoint, it makes a heck of a lot of sense because it's an opportunity with the limited capacity to boost the revenue a little bit this year. And always and forever. Well, yes, always and forever. 
Um, Mississippi State was a little late to the party on this in terms of there were a bunch of other schools that got that started last year. You've still got some schools in the SEC that do not have uh, beer sales in their stadium, despite the SEC lifting those restrictions. Uh, we'll go through all of Mississippi State's game day guidelines coming up in uh, in just a bit. I thought what you were saying I had buried the lead on was what is happening in Boston right now at the Northern Trust. First playoff event on the PGA Tour as part of the FedEx Cup playoffs. Earlier today, Scotty Scheffler, who yesterday was one under par, he shot a 70, one under 70, which is, you know, for Borky, for me, you know, for most of us that play golf, an exceptional round of golf. In PGA Tour circles, that's just ho-hum. He followed it up today with a 12 under 59. Scotty Scheffler birdied 2, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 9, shooting 30 on the front. On the back, he birdied 10, 11, 14, 15, 16, and 18, came in in 29 to shoot a 12 under 59. But he might have company, or he might even get passed in terms of individual performance today. Dustin Johnson goes out in 27. Here was his front nine. Birdie, eagle, birdie, eagle, birdie, par, birdie, birdie, par, 27. And then he makes the turn, and birdie's 10, and birdie's 11. But then he parred number 12, and I think he parred 13 as well. He did. So 12 uh, was a good save. He had like a nine-footer for par, hit his second shot, uh, over the green, so had to chip up, made a, a nine-footer. If you can believe it, so he's in the middle of the fairway on 14 now, by the way, hit back-to-back 340-yard drives, just for good measure. Not um, bad. It, so he's in the 14 fairway right now at 11 under par and has missed four fairways. Pretty good iron play. I mean, in, in putting as well, of course, but I mean, I, I don't want to brag, because he and I are kind of the same. I, too, have also had two pars on a front nine of a round before. So, not <laughs> much difference all between same, he and I. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he shot 67 yesterday, was four under after his first round, but is currently 11 under through 14 holes and is uh, in the lead by two shots at 15 under par. bunch of low scores today. Cameron Davis was six under. Danny Lee was seven under. Kisner's had a really solid year. Uh, Kevin Kisner, he's 5-under, going 65-66 over the last two days, 11-under uh, for the tournament. Uh, Siwoo Kim has played well in the uh, restart. He is 7-under today, 10-under for the tournament. Emiliano Grio, 7-under today, 9-under for the tournament. Uh, safe to say that the course was ripe for the taking today for uh, these guys who are pretty good golfers. Yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, having two of these. So what? the record on the PGA Tour is 57, right? Jim Furyk shot 58. I think it's 58. So he would have to go 57 to be by himself. Yes. Yeah. There have been a bunch of 59s. David Duvall had a 59. Uh, I think I was reading earlier that Jim Furyk holds the record 58 final round of the Travelers Championship years ago. And uh, that's pretty pretty good playing. Yeah, I love but, this. Uh, I mean, uh, tracking this and watching this right now is awesome. I mean, and he, it if he's able to shoot fifty seven, I mean, it's history, you know, right in front of our eyes. But how are you going to call yourself the playoffs and have a course this gettable? Yeah, I don't know. 
By the way, Tiger Woods is currently three under, which is the cut line because of so many low numbers. He is even on his second round after shooting six, uh, 68 yesterday. Uh, today, Tiger's got uh, a birdie and a bogey on the uh, front. So a front side that was gettable for a bunch of guys. He made the turn an even par at 36. He made a par on number 10. So he is sitting at three under for the tournament inside the cut line right now. And certainly you want Tiger Woods on the weekend. You would prefer not to have him going off in the first handful of groups on Saturday if uh, if you get to choose. But having him around on the weekend certainly is, uh, is good. So that's a, a heck of a day. Uh, going in Boston in terms of scoring on the uh, PGA Tour. Again, C Spire text line 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Got a tractor picture already today. Keith Invaden says he's digging brown gold, which I guess means dirt. So it's a pretty dirt, and uh, looks like he's on the backhoe <laughs> or the uh, front end loader loading up some uh, some earth movers out there this afternoon. Keith, always dig the uh, the tractor pictures, so uh, good to hear from you uh, this afternoon. So, Major League Baseball. There have been a lot of people that are wondering out loud, how is the NFL going to do this, or how is college football going to be any different? And, Borky, you think that there are a bunch of ways... There's not going to be a Subway Series in New York this weekend. Major League Baseball postponed the three-game series with the Mets and the Yankees in the wake of two positive tests for coronavirus among Mets personnel. Uh, Reportedly, it's one position player and a coach. Those were received on Thursday before the finale of the Mets' four-game series against Miami. And Major League Baseball postponed yesterday's game plus today's game against the Yankees and or between the Yankees and Mets. They made that announcement yesterday and then followed up uh, earlier today, postponing the entire series this weekend in uh, in New York. Teams have got a mutual off day on Monday, so they could potentially, if they get the okay from Major League Baseball, play a doubleheader on Monday. Borky, you got a bunch of teams, though, that have got postponements that they're having to try and figure out how to make up. Ten Major League teams, which is a third of the league overall, have suffered postponements due to COVID-19 outbreaks. Cardinals had 14 games postponed between July 31st and August 13th. Uh, They've managed to make up three of those 14 so far. Now they've got to try to play 46 games in 38 days to fulfill the 60-game schedule. Major League Baseball announced in the past week seven COVID-19 tests came back positive, involving three players and four club personnel members. Two positive tests uh, came from a team's alternate site. So... Major League Baseball continues to fight this battle. So far, they've been able to keep moving forward, and and that has been the good news. But the bad news is they are continuing to have outbreaks, and it doesn't seem like guys are being irresponsible like they were early on. At least you hope not. Uh, You would think that what happened in Miami, and then in Cleveland as well. I mean, you had two Indians players get sent home because they were being irresponsible. So, uh, you know, hopefully they've learned their lesson by now. All right, so a bunch to get to this afternoon. Just getting started on this Friday, Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll look at all those game day guidelines that Mississippi State has put out when we come back with you. Glad to have you along on Super Talk Mississippi. All right, so a release today from Mississippi State outlining the game day operational guidelines. And... We talked with Keith Carter yesterday from Ole Miss. Uh, sounds like they're going to release something along these lines probably early next week. Mississippi State today announced officially a reduced capacity at Davis Wade Stadium. 
they will be able to seat approximately 25% of the stadium's capacity for games during 2020. Club areas and other suites will be limited to the allowed capacity determined by the governor's most recent executive order. From a health and safety standpoint, in consultation with the CDC, the State Department of Health, the SEC, uh, Mississippi State will implement several measures to make the game day experience as healthy and safe as possible. Enhanced cleaning and sanitation throughout the stadium prior to and during games. All stadium workers and athletic department staff will wear face coverings at all time. Face covers including covering the nose and the mouth. So not only do you have to wear a mask, you have to wear a mask the right way, which still cracks me up, the people that have a mask and then they like pull it down to their chin. Not really sure what that's accomplishing, but uh, some people go with that. Uh, Required as you come into the stadium, you exit the stadium, and as you move throughout the stadium, as well as any time guests are unable to maintain the recommended physical distance from others who are not in their same household. So that's six foot social distancing guideline. All guests, employees, and stadium workers will conduct self-screening prior to leaving home. Per Mississippi State, that should include at-home temperature checks and a review of potential COVID-19 symptoms, cough, shortness of breath, etc. Anyone with these symptoms after entering the stadium shall report to first aid stations for screening from the emergency service response staff. I'm not sure how you'd figure that out once you get in the stadium, but if you think you've got any of those symptoms once you you get there, you're supposed to go see the first aid people. Hand sanitizing stations throughout the stadium. Signage and parking lots, pedestrian paths, gates, and other entry and exit points that outline mandates for everybody to wear face coverings. Cued lines at all gates, concession stands, and merchandise locations where you'll have to space out. Uh, increased physical distancing while using elevators, transition to cashless payment for purchases, including merchandise and concessions, modifying restroom layouts, mobile ticketing to provide contactless entry, and then a few other guidelines that you can find on the uh, Mississippi State website. So pretty much what you expect from everybody. As we talked about yesterday, no tailgating. That's because of the governor's executive order 1519. So... Prohibition of tailgating, picnics, fanfare areas, and the like. Dog walk uh, will be put on hold this season. So the tradition of the fans lining the junction to welcome the team as they come from the bus into the stadium, not doing that this year. In terms of ticketing, the Athletics Ticket Office and Bulldog Club is communicating the ticket distribution plan to ticket holders who have not opted out. That's instructions for securing tickets as well as the process for assigning seats. Uh, Mississippi State Athletics' priority is to maximize opportunities to attend games to as many fans as possible over the course of the season. Season ticket holders who have elected to maintain their season tickets for the season will receive details on ticket allocation in the coming weeks. All current season ticket holders, regardless of their choice to opt in or out of this year's tickets, will have the ability to renew their original seat locations next year. Um, and Borky, you said the um, the thing that uh, grabbed your attention was the alcohol sales piece. In compliance with the Mississippi Legislature's adoption of Senate Bill 2253, beer sales will be allowed in Davis-Wade Stadium. 
The legislation from earlier this year granted Mississippi State the legal resort status necessary to authorize beer, uh, beer sales in the athletic venue and brings Mississippi State in step with all Mississippi Division I universities and some of their other Southeastern Conference colleagues. So Southern Miss and Ole Miss both went with beer sales last year. Um, by all accounts, it went well. It was profitable. There were not significant incidents that were any more than in previous years that they had to deal with from a, a law enforcement standpoint. And so Mississippi State was able to sit back and kind of watch that for a year, and now they make the election to uh, to move forward with this as well. Uh, yeah, and common sense prevailed. I would like to think I've taken a part in this, and, and so you know if they want to send me a cut of the profits, um, my Venmo is open. But... Uh, more seriously, no, th- this is <laughs> something that I-, I think we called uh, back when this was changed and Southern Miss was first in the state, if I remember correctly, and then Ole Miss followed thereafter with a plan that started later in the season. But I remember saying multiple times they're going to see that it- it's safer, has been proven by many other major programs across the country to do it, and the money's too hard to ignore. And I didn't know the pandemic was coming, but... It took a pandemic for them to sell alcohol. It's a no-brainer. I mean, it, in fairness, don't you think that this would have happened regardless of the pandemic? Absolutely, yes. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I don't know about you, the attendance wasn't great, but still Ole Miss didn't report any kind of problems directly tied to them selling beer in the stadium, more so than they get on a regular game day. You've had, what, it's a dozen or more going into Ole Miss and Southern Miss's season selling beer. Major programs that have reported quite the opposite. Fewer problems on game day because of that. Fewer incidents of binge drinking. Fewer incidents of hospital visits. We talked about it at length, and it was just a matter of time before they saw that and saw that there was a financial gain and a safety benefit, and here they are. Uh, it's my understanding that Ole Miss will have a release that is very similar to the one that came from Mississippi State uh, at some point next week. Um, so that's good. And, and, and I mean, I'm not even flippant when I say that's good, but it's another step. I mean, obviously the planning has to continue. Uh, the universities, Southern Miss, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, now have the, the structure in which they know they've got to work. So they've got to finish the details on ironing out what it's going to look like. You're going to have family groups. But my guess is season ticket blocks is the way that they'll be able to kind of figure this. So if you've got a block of four season tickets, you're going to have those four seats together. And then there's going to be a separation of six feet. I don't know if it's a six-feet radius or six feet on the aisle and you go every other row. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. But, you know, if you've got eight season tickets together and you order them under one family name, my assumption is that you'll be able to, you know, if it falls in the pecking order of where you're able to get those eight tickets, that you'll be able to get those eight tickets. I'm sure they've got to go through and look and say, okay, you know, you got eight tickets you can't get eight tickets this year. Maybe you can get four tickets, or maybe you can get six tickets. I'm sure they're having to go through all of those things, and they're also having to go through the priority piece. This is, Borky, wouldn't you think, I mean, Keith Carter told us yesterday 
that when Ole Miss put its budget together, they were operating on the idea of 50% capacity. And so they had modeled what 50% would look like. But you would think with kind of what it's looked like as more and more stadiums have announced their capacities, they weren't caught off guard yesterday. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Southern Miss, other schools in the SEC got a pretty good idea of what 25% capacity is going to look like and how they're going to get to that number. Yeah, I think at, at this point it would have been negligence to not have been prepared for that kind of scenario. And if if the governor made the announcement that you could have 75% capacity, it would be negligence if they weren't prepared for that kind of scenario either. I, sure. I would be shocked if they didn't just consider all of it. But I don't know the last time you've been to a college football game in the stands. Like, I know you go to the SEC while. championship often, but that's in an NFL stadium where you have defined seats. But the way they cram people into these metal bleachers, socially distanced college football will be a dream for some people. Yeah, they'll get to spread out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, actually, like, sit comfortably. Hey, I was I was wondering this. I actually, Jane and I were talking about this last night. Obviously, 25% capacity is not going to look like a full stadium. But it's not going to be 25% capacity in the in the sense that you're a terrible football team and nobody's coming to the games and you have 20,000 people show up and they're kind of that those 20,000 people kind of seem to be concentrated between the 30s on both sidelines and then just scattered and your end zones are empty. When you actually spread everybody out kind of equidistant all throughout the stadium and you have to use the entire stadium to do so, I'm actually really interested to see what it's going to look like when the whole stadium is socially distanced strategically if it has kind of a full stadium look to it. I mean, you're going to see lots of empty seats and you'll see the sun bouncing off metal bleachers. I mean, I get that. But I'm wondering if it's going to look bigger than it actually is just because of the way people are spread out. I don't know. Maybe that's wishful thinking. Luke Johnson will join us. He is co-host of the Eagle Hour on Super Talk Hattiesburg and Laurel. That's when we come back on the Farm Bureau phone line. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm Friday afternoon. Thanks for being with us. Let's go to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Luke Johnson, co-host of the Eagle Hour on Super Talk Hattiesburg and Super Talk Laurel, joins us for his once a week, sometimes two or three times a week visit. Luke, uh, I guess good and bad. Good in the sense that we're now inside two weeks to the start of the football season. If things continue to progress as it looks like they're going to, Southern Miss and South Alabama will be playing in 13 days. That's the good part. The bad part, it's been a tough week in terms of guys opting out uh, with some plans to transfer away. So uh, a little bit of yin and yang this week for Southern Miss football. Yeah, I guess after uh, yesterday, Southern Miss uh, got, got a plan. You guys were talking in the previous segment. Just a plan, know what the, what the boundaries are. And, you know, we expect something next week from uh, Jeremy McClain um, and the athletic department ironing out tickets and that stuff. But, yeah, you, you talk uh, the transfers. And another thing this week, the schedule got moved around again. <laughs> the yeah. uh, with You know, over the weekend, Ohio, Ohio Valley Conference uh, canceled. Southern Miss picked up North Alabama. Um, that was in, put them at November 7th, which was a normal, uh, the, the bye week. 
And so you go from having bye week, uh, you know, around week 10, now you've got bye week uh, in week two. Um, Louisiana Tech got a game with Baylor, and so the September 12th game with Louisiana Tech moved back to the 19th, so the Golden Eagles play South Alabama on September 3rd, and then they'll play again uh, until the 19th. So it's, it's been a very, very unique week. And then when you talk about the transfers, um, it, it's tough to look at. And there's been, you know, some, some head scratching, wondering if something's going on. Six players uh, transfer or six players opting out, five of those transferring. And when you look at who it is, Jacques Turner, uh, a, a redshirt senior defensive lineman, he's a three-time all-conference USA selection. Rakeem Booth, who has, has been the captain of the defense, uh, hurt his knee last year and kind of re-injured it a few uh, a week or so ago in practice. He's a redshirt senior linebacker. Two-time All-Conference USA. Both of those guys opting out and uh, transferring. Steven Anderson, who was a guy we talked about uh, in the backfield. He's a redshirt junior. He's opting out. He's transferring in two years to play. Uh, but from a playmaking standpoint, Jalen Adams, who, uh, you know, he, he got the Southern Miss. He was going to Troy and kind of switched at the last second. Coming out of Adamsville High School, People, I think a lot of people didn't realize this. He was the Gatorade Player of the Year for Alabama. He was a first-team parade All-American. Southern Miss got him. And, of course, last year with the two punt returns, uh, or the, the kickoff returns early on, I mean, he yeah. was uh, Electric fast. Electric in return and, game. And, yes. And he's a redshirt junior. He's opting out. Still hasn't made an official announcement whether he's transferring or not. Um, those are four guys that Anderson not so much, but he still saw the field. Three guys, four guys that were uh, really good for the Golden Eagles. And then Garrett Crawford and Junior Carswell, they're both sophomore defensive linemen. They're opting out and transferring. So so six Eagles gone um, this week. So certainly some depth issues on the defensive line now. Jay Hobson doesn't really have any choice but to say all the right things publicly. But this has got to be frustrating. Uh, you know, for, for a lot of programs – camp really is just getting going or, or practice leading into the fall not your traditional fall camp just getting going but for southern miss it's, it's three weeks in and and so you had kind of gotten through that initial well if guys are gonna gonna opt out they would have done it by now do you think jay hobson saw any of this coming this week we were you know with with a couple of those guys um with Anderson, I think it was going to be a playing time. With Frank Gore Jr. coming in, Don Ragsdale, I think he wasn't going. He was going to get reduced carries. Turner's a whole different issue. Turner had several family members with COVID nineteen, and you can certainly understand his reason to opt out. Rakeem Booth wasn't going to be ready to play, so I think the last two probably are guys that just kind of a, as a domino effect, but. Three out of the four of those guys that I mentioned that were playmakers for the Golden Eagles, you can pretty well determine why they left. Trevinsky Mosley was kind of the same thing with Steven Anderson. He wasn't going to get the amount of reps that he got as a true freshman year at Southern Miss. So it, it looks kind of weird on paper. And, uh, you know, I, there could be something going on. I don't, I don't sense that. Um, but it, it's just kind of a collective, um, Blender when you when you put it there that's what it looks like why so many guys are leaving but if, if you break them down one by one it kind of makes sense why they're moving on. Luke, do you think any of these guys revisit these decisions based on the the news from today that the NCAA is going to give every fall sport athlete an extra year of eligibility? So so even if you play this year, whether it's two games or ten games, you're not losing a year of eligibility. 
we talked about that this week on the Eagle Hour. I actually brought up the quarterback from Mississippi State, uh, I believe it was, a couple years ago. Um, or, or When was it? If Haydad's on, when did Thompson opt out or uh, enter the transfer portal? Not opt out, enter the transfer portal. Yeah, I think it was after this past season. Hey, Dad's off today, so okay. I have to double-check. But, but yeah, I th- he was on the team last year, but then... Well, he entered the portal at the end of two seasons ago, came back to the team, That's what it went was. back into the portal. Yeah. That, so, yeah, there, there, I think it's certainly possible. We use that as an example this week. I think part of it is, what have you done in the locker room? Have you talked noise? Uh, and I don't... You know, I don't know any of this has gone on. I'm just talking from a former player's perspective. Have you just written everybody off? You know, how did you leave those relationships? Um, the, is there a perception in the team, you know, that, that we're kind of better off without you, that you quit on us? I don't think that goes with some of those guys, like, you know, Jock West Turner. Um, I don't think that works at all with him because the reason he's opting out is so many family members had COVID. But I think there could be a couple of guys that maybe showed flakiness or the simple fact that, they were going to go somewhere else because they weren't going to play as much, and I think those people would be less probably likely received back into a locker room. And I'm just saying that from a from a, somebody who you know lived through that five years of my life and those dynamics. Yeah, no, I understand that. Luke Johnson on your radio. He is the co-host of the Eagle Hour on Super Talk Hattiesburg, Super Talk Laurel. You can get that as a podcast wherever you get your podcast. You can listen on demand at uh, supertalk.fm as well. So on the football front, I mean, two weeks away. 13 days away, inside two weeks now. It's getting close. Is there kind of a sense of confidence that's starting to set in that, hey, we're actually going to play some football? Yeah, it's, it's uh, exciting to build in. You got scrimmage last Saturday. Hadn't talked to you this week. Um, kind of the, uh, the, the stat that jumped out was in the backfield, there were several guys, uh, about four or five guys that got five-plus carries. Frank Gore Jr., by far the most effective, six carries, 67 yards. And I think you're going to see three or four guys rotate in and out of the backfield. Jack Abraham, um, he was 8 of 13. Uh, nobody really passed for, for big stuff. Uh, but it seems like they're grasping the, the Kubik offense better. On the defensive side of the ball, um, one of the reasons, I, you know, I do think, as you mentioned, that Coach Hobson is going to support players publicly. That's the type of duty he is. But, man, they're, they're, they got a lot of depth, um, particularly on the defensive line. You look at how many JUCO players they brought in. They brought in uh, some guys from East Mississippi, from Iowa Western uh, Community College, and they brought in some plug-and-play guys. Here, here's a name that, that uh, you know kind of got lost in JUCO, uh, Dontre Hyman. He was out of, uh, of Meridian. I believe he was a dandy dozen, kind of bounced his way through some JUCO. He, he's going to play a lot this year probably for the Golden Eagles. Um, Freddie Hartz, who was a big-time Signee a couple years ago out of Morton. Uh, he's put on probably 40 pounds. He's been moved from linebacker to defensive line. So, you know, Hobson is, in some ways, they feel like this is probably one of the deepest teams that he's had uh, since he's been coaching Southern Miss. Last thing, only about a minute left. Um, expecting about 9,000 to be stadium capacity, 9,000, 10,000 when it's all said and done? Yeah, somewhere somewhere just north of nine, a little south of 10. Um you got to look at how many tickets they're going to give South Alabama. Um, been hearing whether the, the whole pride of Mississippi is going to be in or whether it's going to be more like a pet band. Um, got to think the East Club on the east side of the stadium where people just kind of mix it up and mingle, that won't be there. Um, so it's going to be pretty interesting to see how the 
you know, how it works out in season tickets and, and students because, you know, that, that's, uh, that's a, a number, <laughs> a lower, a lower number to try to, to please everybody and get everybody in. But, and they've, uh, Jeremy McClain's provided phenomenal leadership of the instrument to see what he rolls out next week. Well, certainly going to be fascinating to see. That's what everybody's going through right now, trying to kind of figure out how you allocate those tickets. So we will see. Luke, uh, appreciate you jumping on with us this afternoon. Enjoy your weekend. All right. You guys have a good weekend. Thanks. Thanks. Luke Johnson from the Eagle Hour in Hattiesburg. So, uh, you know, Morky, the number was six uh, in terms of guys either opting out or opting out and saying they were going to transfer. But some of that playing time related. And, and you can understand, you know, maybe I don't want to go through this weird year, especially if I'm not going to be playing anyway, try and find a landing spot. But then a couple of guys that there's some impact there when you talk about a three-year all-conference player and you talk about Jalen Adams and his ability in the return game, uh, those hurt. Absolutely. And we're inside of two weeks. I know. Isn't that crazy to think about? Two weeks from last night. I wonder if we ought to be going to Hattiesburg for the opener. I've toyed with the idea. I like where idea. your head's at. I think yeah. that's a good idea. I, I've been kicking it around a little bit, so we'll see. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll wrap up the 3 o'clock hour next. some COVID numbers at you. Overall, a better week for the state of Mississippi, although numbers have risen the last couple of days. Going back five days, you're looking at 381, 276, 795, then a jump big uh, a couple of days ago back to 1348. Yesterday it was 894, and today 874. So overall, the trend is still in a positive direction from where it has been though not as low as the numbers early in the week. Uh, I I follow the Lafayette County School District on Twitter, so I saw this. Uh, I, I don't know if it's representative of what other school districts across the state of Mississippi are dealing with, but I think this is uh, kind of encouraging, just as a, a sample from North Mississippi. Since August 3rd, the Lafayette County School District has had a total of seven positive tests. And for the most recent week, they had none in the elementary school, one staff member and one student in the upper elementary school, nobody in the middle school, nobody in the high school, and nobody in other staff departments. So a total of two positive tests this week. They did the contact tracing. People that needed to be isolated or you know put into quarantine have, have done so. So I'd say really positive numbers for two weeks of school at uh, Lafayette, they've gone with the hybrid model where they've got some students that are going two days a week and other students that are going the other two days, and then there's one day of virtual learning in the uh, the middle of the week, and they're going to continue that until, I think, after Labor Day. Uh, I know the Oxford School District begins this coming Monday. They had pushed the start date back from uh, August 10th to August 24th, uh, so we'll kind of be keeping an eye on those numbers. And Borky, it's just kind of a mix all over the state of when schools are starting. You remember Corinth started like a month ago, and they dealt with some early positives but seemed to have kind of settled into a little bit of a rhythm, uh, and things are going better there. So, I, I, I mean, 
mostly good news. I mean, it's not it's not a hundred percent. It's not perfect. And then you were talking a, a second ago in the break to me about Clemson. They just went through another big round of testing in their athletics department, and they got good news. Almost five hundred tests given. Five turned up positive, which is a one percent positivity rate, and uh, none of which were football players or fall sport athletes at all. Only one Clemson football player has tested positive since July 10th. Oh, wow. So they've done a fantastic job lately there as well. It's almost as if uh, the people that are trying to get their kids to go back to school, the people that are trying their hardest to get football and and soccer and is volleyball a fall sport as well, these college sports that that play in the fall, uh, the people that are trying to make this work weren't being reckless like the media narrative said they were, that they are really trying to come up with plans that would work. And if you're patient and understand that there will be some positive cases, because no matter what we do, there's going to be positive cases, no matter what, that maybe these plans can work. I think that's what we've learned with all these numbers. I think so. And and people aren't freaking out when a positive test happens. They're just going with a, a very rational approach to it of, okay, here's a positive test. Let's do the contact tracing. Anybody they came in contact with for more than 15 minutes inside of six feet, you got to quarantine. you got to do tests on those. you got to make sure that they're okay and they've got a clean bill of health before they're able to get back going again. So I don't know. I mean, it feels like, again, people, generally speaking, are being responsible and Look, I mean, it's not to say that there aren't going to be spikes and there aren't going to be clusters and there aren't going to be outbreaks and whatnot, but I really, really applaud the people who have tried. They're trying. They've put together a solid plan. They've based those plans on recommendations from the CDC and the State Departments of Health, and they're pushing forward. And that's what we need. I mean, like, like we we got to keep moving forward. So we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Hey, one other thing, random. How about the uh, double bullseye hurricanes that we're dealing with in the uh, Gulf of Mexico? I keep thinking, or, or moving toward the Gulf of Mexico. I guess they're not actually in the Gulf proper yet. Not here yet, but uh, oh, don't worry. They both will be hitting our Gulf Coast, not Mississippi's, but like the Gulf Coast of the United States. Um, on Tuesday, both of them, at the same time. The landmass is right in between the two of them, so maybe we won't deal with a whole lot of it. But One projection has the storm that is farther to the east making landfall around 1 o'clock on Wednesday. The one that's farther to the west making landfall around 1 o'clock on Tuesday. So some different projections. But a bit of a uh, double whammy. Looks like the one that's farther to the west is projected to make landfall somewhere south of Houston, but probably as a tropical storm. And maybe a Category 1 hurricane making landfall somewhere around the Louisiana-Mississippi border on on Wednesday afternoon. But uh, look, it doesn't mean it's not serious, but it's better than three, four, or five making landfall in those spots. So we'll keep an eye on that as we go through the weekend and into the early part of next week as well. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be right back. DJ needs a birdie on 18 to shoot 59. That's what it's come down to. 
after going out in 27, going birdie eagle, birdie eagle, birdie par, birdie birdie par on the front nine. Dustin Johnson made the turn and birdied 10 and 11. Since then, it has been six straight pars. Fours on 12, 13, and four, uh, 12, 13, 14, and 15. A three on 16. A four on 17. Borky, you were watching it. He lipped out an eagle, uh, birdie putt on 17. Yeah, just, oh man. And he liked it too. He thought it was going in. It was a, a little mm. double breaker, a little 10 footer down the hill. I mean, he barely touched it, but oh, just turned at the end. He 18 should. is a par 5, and a bunch of guys have made birdie on it. Yeah, Especially he, the guys that have gone low today. Man, he should be playing for 58 right now. That's so unlucky. Mm. So it's where Those we need baseball breaks. umpires in golf. Just have a guy go out there and just call something that's not real. That's a birdie! And just do a little hand motion, you know? Yeah, because you always love how baseball umpires <laughs> handle things, right? <laughs> Ceasefire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. It's brought to you by our friends at Ceasefire, who remind you that uh, you know your business deserves better, so get better with the Ceasefire business, internet, and phone bundle backed by real support. The IT experts at Ceasefire equip your organization with reliable high-speed internet and industry-leading VoIP phone systems, plus 24-7 local support, so you can focus on your goals. They've got connectivity covered. See how Ceasefire can power your success today at ceasefire.com slash business. 601-879-4395 is the number if you would like to be a part of the conversation. Um, Brett McMurphy, I think, was the first that I uh, saw officially put it up. He tweeted... Oh, a little earlier this afternoon, NCAA officially approves to allow fall sports student-athletes to compete in any amount of competitions this year. Whether their seasons, their actual seasons, are played in the fall or they are moved to the spring, and it will not count as a year of eligibility. What does this mean? It means, in effect you will have two full freshman classes next year. And that's the problem, Borky, with what we talked about yesterday, where you said, in terms of roster management, they're just going to allow the seniors an extra year, and that's how much your roster will fluctuate. But the issue is not just one senior class. The issue is that, in effect, you're going to have two full freshman classes next year. You're not going to have a whole lot of attrition. You may have a few guys transfer, somebody get injured, whatever. But in terms of the freshman class that you brought in this year, a full class, by and large, those guys are all going to be back next year. Plus, you're adding another full freshman class in the upcoming recruiting cycle so that you're going to have in terms of freshmen, potentially 50 guys in that classification. Plus your sophomores that get to be sophomores again, your juniors that get to be juniors again, or your seniors that get to be seniors again, if they want to. So the rosters are going to get bigger. One of the things that we've not talked about, and, and I've had a couple of athletics department officials from, from different schools say, uh, okay, that's fine, 
That That's well and good. How are we supposed to pay for this? And I know you and Haydad sometimes are, are, are quick to say, and maybe Haydad more than you, oh, they'll figure out a way. There's plenty of money. Maybe it's just Haydad that, that said that. And I understand where that's coming from because we're talking about so much money in terms of revenue, but we're in a budget crisis everywhere right now. Pac-12 is not playing football this year. I think spring football is fantasy land. I, I'd love to be proven wrong. I mean, just from a viewership and a consumption standpoint, if, if we're able to somehow get through this fall season with the ACC, SEC, and Big 12 playing 10 games, and then we get to watch some version of the Big 12 and the Pac-12 and some of these other conferences play, I, I'm sorry, the uh, the Big 10 and the Pac-12 and some of these other conferences play in the spring, I mean, I'm all for it. I mean, more football spread out. We get to watch it for, for longer. Great. I just don't think it's likely because you're then going to mess up another season. And it's going to look weird because it's not going to be a full season. And they're not going to be playing for a championship. I mean, what are we going to have? The college football playoff in April? I mean, are you going to take two or three teams from the fall and put them in the CFP and then one team from the spring? That's not how it's going to work. If we have a college football playoff, it's going to be in January, not in April. I mean, I guess maybe the only change to that is if we somehow get to the point where the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 shut it down before they ever get started. And it just doesn't look like that's going to happen. I think we're going to start. Not 100% sure that we're going to finish. But you certainly, I mean, to to mix metaphor, borrow a golf term, can't birdie them all if you don't birdie the first. You certainly can't play 10 if you don't play one. And you can't play two if you don't play one. So we got to get to the starting line, whether it's September 26th or it ends up getting pushed back a, another week or two. We've got to get to the starting line and get going and then see what happens from there. Try to be smart feels like probably more schools than not are going to end up with online learning almost exclusively, which frankly, you know, optics aside, should make it easier to be able to play football. I mean, it should. You would think so, yeah. Because you're going to have less exposure to other students that are, even though it's a very much a hybrid bubble, kind of outside the bubble. So, yeah, there's not as much money as, as people think there is in college sports. Now, part of it is the way it's structured, it forces places to spend as much money as they make. And so budgets grow up and their expenses also somehow go up at the same time. And yeah, in a perfect world, if there's no pandemic, they would spend less money and be able to navigate through something like this. But that's not how it's currently set up. And as we learned from Iowa today... No football season has already cost them four sports. That's it. That's gone. And so if you think, oh, it's just easy for Wake Forest, who gets a really nice check from the ACC, but has a very small stadium that is not filled with mega boosters, asking them to pay for the scholarships and all that stuff for 110 guys instead of 85 guys is different. It's a unique thing for them, and it's one that, yeah, they can probably afford it, but it's tougher for them, especially, as you mentioned, during this time when nobody's bringing in any money. And so, yeah, sure, 
Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Virginia Tech, Virginia Wake Forest, all these programs that don't have super boosters like Texas does can afford a 110-player roster, even during a pandemic. But it's coming at the cost of something else. And so when, when you see people suggest that, oh, well, there's just too much money in college sports. Uh, okay. And, you know, I kind of agree with that. Florida State shouldn't be paying a football coach $20 million to not coach their team anymore. But the revenue that football generates pays for the swim team entirely. Pays for the volleyball team entirely. And so if you're asking college football to restructure... And 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 soccer and and track and field and cross country and women's basketball. Everything except for men's basketball and in very, very, very few cases, baseball. Because sometimes it pays for itself. Yeah. So that's it. College football and can look, restructure, I mean, but that'll end everything else. I, I don't know if this is a, a, a an entirely accurate number, but I've asked before. Okay, what's the what's the total sco- cost of a scholarship at Ole Miss for an athlete? And I was told that that number was about forty thousand dollars a year. Maybe it's a little higher than that. Maybe it's a little lower than that. But if you've got to fund 20 football scholarships that you weren't previously accounting for, that's going to cost you an additional $800,000. Let's just call it a million dollars. Some schools it'll be more. Some schools it'll be less. At Southern Miss where there's a $25 million athletic budget, give or take. A million bucks is a lot. What was that? 4% of your budget. At a place like Ole Miss or Mississippi State where we're just using round numbers and you say the budget's $100 million, it, it's a million bucks. It's 1% of your budget. Well, Richard, it's only 1%. No, I, I understand that. I'm not saying they won't figure out a way to do it. But it's a it's an additional unplanned expense when you also have the expense that was unplanned for in terms of testing and you have less revenue coming in and you're making cuts across the board and you're doing your best to keep sports going that weren't previously going. And it's hard. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Chris Hopwood of the Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge will join us next. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, Friday afternoon. One week ago, Old Moon Casino at Pearl River Resort opened its doors after a long, unplanned vacation. And Chris Hopwood, who is the director of the Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge, joins us right now. Chris, uh, I know you would have much rather have been working instead of getting that unplanned vacation. How good was it to get back and get things rolling again? Uh, it was definitely a lot of fun to get back to work. Um, I mean, that's probably the longest time off I've ever had in 20 years. But uh, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's nice that we got sports going and everyone's staying healthy. Yeah, so what does it feel like? I mean, this is the time where we ought to be two weeks away from the start of the uh, of the college football season and everybody's just kind of foaming at the mouth for football. We're going to get a little. We're certainly not going to get as much as, as we've gotten in years past, at least initially. So what's it been like? 
Well, that, that's been the, one of the bigger changes coming back. Is like you said, just we, right now we'd be getting prepared for college football season and the NFL season. But uh, we're just, uh, I mean, now that we've got some official announcements, we're going to be having it going. We're trying to set stuff up so we have the games going forward with the college and the pro. And uh, we'll just see what we get to do, <laughs> how we get to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know there's a, a lot of unknown that we're dealing with right now. It, it's been a while since we've talked. We've always done it in person. And I certainly, I, I'm, I'm going to speak for Borky and for Hey Dad as well. I know we're all anxious to get back and be with you in person again uh, there at the Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge. Did, did you use the time away to kind of evaluate, you know, a year and change of, uh, of, of having the Sportsbook and kind of figuring out what worked and make any changes along the way? Well, I mean, one of the bigger changes we're trying to make, uh, we're trying to improve our content and different things like that. So uh, that hopefully we'll be making an announcement soon uh, about that going forward. Um, that way we can be competitive with the, the larger corporations out there and have just as much content as they have. But uh, everything, I mean, the business here was great. I mean, from what I dealt with in Las Vegas, I, I was shocked how well everything's been going here. And there wasn't a lot operationally to improve on. It was just uh, just trying to make things better for the customers. Well, one of the things that we talked about, I think, the last time you and I visited, is that you know, with a year in the books, you know, going from August to August, you were a little blown away uh, with just how good it had been, and I guess it just kind of underscores what we all thought but didn't know for sure, and that is that there is a huge appetite for sports gaming here in Mississippi and all over the southeast. Well, and it's basically all over the U.S. I mean, we had, I mean, when I was in Vegas, they always estimated that the, the illegal market was like $500 billion. <laughs> and Jeez. it just proves it that, because uh, I mean, Vegas is a tourist spot. It's not really, I mean, those five days a year that you would have huge events going on with the Super Bowl and March Madness and all that. But, I mean, it's every day with the people in each state that you're dealing with regular customers that are, it's close to their, where they live instead of having to travel to Las Vegas to, I was going to ask you that. I was going to ask you, I mean, has it gotten to the point where you've got regulars, maybe not even people that live really close to, to where you are there in, in, in Philadelphia, but within an hour or so drive where you just kind of expect to see them a couple of times a week? Well, right now we are regulars because, uh, I mean, you know, Gold Moon is where we're located. It's, it's, it's almost like a tourist spot because we have a lot of our customers come from Alabama. And then we do have a group that come down from Starkville and uh, Columbus. Uh, um, so with, uh, we do have the regulars we'd see, and hopefully we'll see them back when the football starts up, because that's usually here football is uh, bigger than anything else. Yeah, yeah, certainly, certainly, no doubt. Uh, we're visiting with Chris Hopwood. He is the sportsbook director at uh, Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge at the Golden Moon, uh, part of Pearl River Resort. So, so what's going on right now? I mean, we've got the NBA playoffs. We've got Major League Baseball playing in the bubble. Is that where the majority of the action is coming from? Yeah. I mean, we, some of the guests have actually started betting the hockey playoffs are going on right now, too. Um, but the, the NBA is getting the, the bulk of the betting, and I mean, baseball is right behind it. <laughs> but it's it's funny to see people down here in the south like starting to get interested in hockey playoffs. <laughs> Are you a hockey guy? Uh, I mean, when I not really, but when the Vegas Knights came up, I started following a little bit of hockey. It's it's always been like the the, the fifth sport in the, the professional world behind all the, the even behind college football. All right, so 
that's actually fascinating to me. So people that have not really followed hockey all of a sudden are following hockey and they're wagering on it. Does that make them better or worse in terms of what dealing with puck lines and totals and everything else? Yeah, well, because hockey is similar to betting baseball. I mean, it's just not, uh, it doesn't rely so much on the starting pitch like baseball does, but the, those two sports basically mirror each other the way the betting works. And, uh, but it's, it's still growing. Hockey's always been sort of a growing sport, but I mean, in the U.S., soccer started becoming really popular too, and that's been growing. It, it hasn't really picked up here in Mississippi for us. Um, but, uh, I mean, it, the, having the NBA at this time of year is <laughs> kind of different. It's usually the NBA already be over, and we'd just be sitting here with baseball and waiting, hope, praying for football to come around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, well, you, then we're all in the same, uh, all in the same camp, but trying to enjoy the baseball season and using it to uh, pass the time to get to football. Hey, tell me a little bit more about the, the more sophisticated baseball gambler. Uh, are they solely looking at pitching matchups or is the way that the game has changed in terms of pitchers not going nearly as deep into games, has that changed the way people are handicapping and, and betting on baseball? Well, that, that's definitely changed. The analytical stuff has definitely changed the baseball game because some, some teams are still going with that, that first pitcher that person pitches the first inning and then goes with their, their long relief or whatever for the, the second yeah. pitcher. So it's, it's made it a little tougher to, to handicap baseball, but, but you still have the, the strong teams that, I mean, that's, that's the one thing that we've been noticing is the, our customers are betting the parlays with all the best teams. And of course, when all the favorites win, they win and the book loses. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, I guess that there's, there's some exposure there, but the reality is those parlays, which are, are always fun, that they're generally long shots, right? Well, no, because like most of the people, so they take the Dodgers, and, most, and sometimes like tonight the Dodgers are minus two sixty. So if you bet bet them straight, you got to bet two hundred sixty dollars to win a hundred. Sure. Whereas you, you add it to your parlay, if you have a five teamer, it, it'll increase the value of your parlay, and you're not having to lay that much value. Your parlay is not going to pay what it would pay because of the the price. Because the farther the farther away you get from minus one ten, like you have in football, the the less your parlay odds are going to pay. Gotcha. That makes sense. All right, Chris, so as we get closer to the, the start of football, Southern Miss, South Alabama is, uh, what, 13 days away. We've got to get to the end of September to, uh, to get things started in the SEC. Uh, what are the plans looking like for, uh, for you guys in terms of you know, really welcoming everybody back and getting those folks uh, back into the sports book to, to enjoy watching games and wagering on games and eating and everything that goes along with it? Yeah, I mean, we're trying to do everything we can to keep everyone safe here. I mean, we've, the resort has taken every precaution possible. We're, basically, anywhere you look, you can see a hand sanitizer station, and there's plexiglass protecting the, the guest and the, the associate from the front face-to-face contact like you do at the hotel rooms or here at the sports book with the, when you're taking, making a bet with the clerks. I mean, we have the dividers in place. We had to, it, it's bad we had to go with a little less seating, but for the social distancing, we had to do it for now until we can – add some more seating, but we still have the, the food and the drinks open in the sports book. And we're just hoping it's going to be a, a great football season, even though, it's, like you said, limited. But as long as we get the SEC, that's really all that matters down here, right? Yeah, yeah, that certainly is all that matters. Could, could you see a scenario when you get to football season where you, you go to that setup that you had kind of for, for March Madness a couple of years ago where you maybe uh, add one of those VIP areas or, or one of the ballrooms to kind of create more space for more people to be able to come in and enjoy? 
Yeah, I mean, we're, we're probably going to play it by year, but uh, if we start seeing it's overcrowded, we can't fit everyone in the same room. We're going to probably we're going to have to space it out and probably do use the VIP. We still have the center bar, um, right for where they can watch the games out there too. I mean, right now the resort's non-smoking until further notice, but uh, there's TVs everywhere to watch the games. Certainly is a good setup, and those uh, those crystal terminals still rocking and rolling. Yeah, and that's that's the one thing. We're, like we I just mentioned earlier with the content, we're trying to add more of the the in play so, so people can have more fun with the, the betting during the games. Because um, I know when we first got started, we we were limited on what we were going with, but uh, we hopefully soon will be increasing that, and hopefully that happens before football season starts. Well, no, it's going to be a lot of fun. Chris, no, you've got a lot going. I appreciate you spending a few minutes with us and uh, certainly want to encourage people to uh, check out the sports book and uh, all that's going on. It's it's good to have you back. It's good to have the sports book back. I know it's good to have the resort open again and uh, starting to feel a little bit more like normal. Yeah, it's great. And we, and we do have our golf promo back, too, where if they bet $50 in the sports book, they can play $30 around at Dancing Rabbit, and that's one of the better golf courses down here in the south. Uh, so we've got that promo going forward. And we just want to see our guests come back and visit us. There you go. $50 wager in the sports book. You might win, you might lose, and you get the $30 voucher for golf at uh, at Dancing Rabbit. I know Mark would love to see you over there as uh, as well. Chris, really appreciate your time. Look forward to uh, hopefully seeing you in person very, very soon. All right, hope to see you soon. That's Chris Hopwood, sportsbook director at the Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge at the Golden Moon, part of Pearl River Resort. Sports Talk Mississippi, we will be right back. Well, Father, do you have the rest of the week? Let's get started. Appreciate Chris Hopwood from Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge, the Pearl River Resort, joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Don't forget to check out that website. I tell you about it all the time, favorites.com. Don't let that just be something that kind of goes in one ear and out the other. If you haven't checked in with Farm Bureau lately, check out what you're missing. You go to that website, again, favorites.com. That's the Mississippi Farm Bureau website. Type in your zip code, and it will then ask whether you want a quote on auto insurance or home insurance or if you want to bundle your coverage. That means you get your auto and your home and maybe even some additional policies from uh, from Farm Bureau. If you do that, you're going to save money. It's what's called a multi-line discount. So, for example, we've got our homeowner's insurance with Mississippi Farm Bureau, and Jane's car is with them, and my truck is with them, and so we qualify for a multi-line discount. In fact, Borky, I bought a really cheap, old work truck not too terribly long ago. I'm not saying this would be exactly the the way it works for you. I mean, I'm talking about dirt cheap work truck. And you put liability insurance on it just because you've got to have that legally. When I did that, because of the multi-line discount, my overall rate for the three vehicles was less than when we had the two vehicles. Nice. So you can actually save money with Mississippi Farm Bureau. So is that what uh, I should tell my wife, is I can get the uh, the Jeep that I've always wanted? I, I wanted like an old Wrangler or an old Bronco or something. Keep the top off and leave it in the garage. You know, just drive it on nice days. So what you're saying is I can use that as a way to convince her to let me buy that new car. Is that I can actually save us money? 
Borky, I'm saying your business is your business, <laughs> and I'm staying out of it. But I am telling you that uh, regardless of what you drive and where you live, if you are in Mississippi, you should check in with your local Mississippi Farm Bureau agents. Offices in all 82 counties, which means local agents, regardless of where you are, and there's a really good chance uh, that at least one of the agents in one of those county offices is somebody that you know already. So you can do business with somebody that you know uh, that you trust, that you feel confident in. Mississippi Farm Bureau has uh, been with us on Sports Talk Mississippi from the very beginning. We're glad to be a partner with them and uh, hope you'll give them a try. Uh, I mean, worst case scenario, get the online quote, talk to an agent, just see what they can do. Uh, that's not going to cost you anything uh, one way or the other. And you might find out that you can really save some money and deal with a great Mississippi company. That's why we tell you to go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. So, Southern Miss has sent an email to its season ticket holders, and they have outlined how they're going to handle seating. The good news is, if you are a season ticket holder at Southern Miss, you will be able to go to the games, period. Like, the the number of season tickets will comply with the stadium capacity, the roughly 25% that they're going to be able to to handle at M.M. Roberts Stadium. But it's going to be a little bit different. So in the bowl of the stadium, 25%, you are going to be assigned a season ticket section. So let's just say, Michael Borky, that you have four season tickets at Southern Miss, and they are in Section C. Well, just because you were in Section C, and previously you were on Row 27 with seats 7, 8, 9, and 10, that's not necessarily going to be the case you will be allowed to go sit in Section C with your Section C season ticket wherever you choose. First come, first serve. So you get there early. You want to sit on the front row. You want to sit 12 rows up because you think that's the best spot. You've got your four tickets. You're able to sit together in your group of four because they're your family or the people that you live with. And then somebody will be sitting six feet away from you and six feet away from them, and it'll be spread out that way, but it gives you the option to sit section by section in the uh, in the stadium. Digital contactless ticketing is going to be the primary method of tickets for this season instead of any physical tickets. They're going to have hand sanitizer stations at gate entrances and throughout the entire stadium. Uh, face coverings required, as we've talked about, on your way in, out, or as you're moving about, when you're going to the concession stand, when you're going to the restroom. Uh, recommended and encouraged even when you are in your seat, but not required at that point. All credentialed game day workers and employees will wear face coverings at all times. The only exception on face covering coverings is for children under the age of six. Social distancing measures in place, increased cashless-only concession and merchandise stands. Uh, They're going to be very, very limited in the number of cash stands that they've got available. Uh, Their food service provider, Aramark, has put health screening procedures in for their employees. Uh, There are going to be designated safe zones that will be established for any season ticket holder to relocate to if, uh, if so desired. And like everybody else, tailgating and social gatherings are prohibited at this time. One thing, if you are an RV person, like if uh, you've got a pass for the RV lot, those will open at 6 p.m. the night before home games, but the gathering around your RV 
is going to be limited to the mandated guidelines from the state. So whatever the limits are on outdoor gatherings, those are the limits that will go along with uh, the RVs as well. So um, that may not be the way everybody goes about it, but that's the way that uh, Jeremy McLean and Southern Miss decided was best for uh, them. And the really cool thing is they're going to be able to kind of reward their longtime season ticket holders or or first-time season ticket holders. They are able to reward the people who bought season tickets in so much as all of them are going to be able to go to the games if they so choose. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Uh, that luxury doesn't exist in uh, in most places, so that's uh, that's cool. I had this idea pop in my head. Uh, okay. If, if, and it may be too much work, but I wonder if schools have considered, you know those seats that you have to spend like an extra 50 bucks a year to yeah. get installed onto your... Yeah, the chairback deal. So sell the, the tickets that you can sell, the 25% of your stadium, and place those... At the appropriate social distance. So if you sell a, a season ticket package of four, you can put four together, but then you separate, of course, the appropriate distance to where you put the next seat. And make your policy, you have to be in your seat or standing in front of it. And if you're off that, then you know we'll remove you from the stadium or whatever. But use that as your way to make sure that everybody is appropriately <laughs> distanced. Is If you have a ticket and you're in the game, you have to be in or in front of one of those permanent seats that we've installed. Maybe a lot of work, but at least it would provide like a focal point of this seat is appropriately distanced from anybody else around you. As long as you're in it, you're good. I don't hate that idea. Not at all. Might make a lot of sense. Might also be a lot of work for whoever has to it's install a lot of work those to things install and those. get a measuring tape out there and whatnot. But the, there was there was one summer where I was loosely involved with the uh, the installation of some of those seats, and that is frankly, it's not a very fun job because <laughs> there are a whole bunch of them that have got to be installed. So. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll see that in some places. Don't know if, uh, if you'll see that or not in Oxford, Starkville, Hattiesburg, but maybe you will. Maybe, maybe Keith Carter or John Cohen are listening right now and just heard that and you said, you know what, Michael Borky, that is the smartest thing I have heard today. We're going to start that on Monday. You're welcome. And then eventually get they rid of all... They might have also said, that is the stupidest thing I have ever heard. <laughs> We are all dumber for having heard it. You may re- you receive no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Yeah, he needs to have mercy on it every day, not just today. But And then the next step needs to be, I know it's expensive, but get rid of the metal bleachers altogether and install permanent seats. North Carolina did it. The stadium even looks better. But install permanent seats in your stadium. Pick blue or maroon or, or red and maroon or whatever color you want. Powder blue would look kind of funny. Install permanent seats in your stadium. Metal bleachers are for the birds, man. You want people to show up to your game, give them fewer excuses to not show, and having a comfortable seat is one less excuse for them not to go to your game. But that's down the road. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi, 601-879-4395. That's the number for the C Spire text line. Question, bans allowed? Hope so. Uh, 
I think that that is going to be an institutional decision. My my guess is that you have some who go, no, we're going to just we're going to use all of those seats. I would think most places though would, at the very least, have a pep band like you see at basketball, but probably would go with the full band. I, it's just me, just me. If the student allotment ticket, I mean, let, let's say that you know stadiums at twenty five percent, and you're going to go ten percent of that goes to students. You got twenty five hundred tickets. I'd allot, you know, three four hundred whatever the number is for the band, and I would spread the band out in the student section to help fill it out and make it look cool, and just say that's part of our game day environment. And the game day environment is suffering enough this year because of decisions beyond our control. This is one way it does not have to suffer. And they can't leave. So that section will always be full, no matter what the score is. Yeah. you got to test band members, though, right? Because, I mean, they're spitting into those incident, I- instruments, whether they intend to or not. And then I guess, you know, you got spittle flying out of a tuba. Put an oversized mask on top of your trombone. May have to have umbrellas there as well. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Tiger Woods had gotten it to four under, but bogeyed 17. He is playing 18 right now. Hated his tee shot and is sitting on the cut line. Tied for 59th at three under par. If he makes bogey on 18, he will most likely miss the cut for the weekend par better he will uh, get to hang around and play a little more golf i don't know which would be better for him is it is it almost like if he's not in contention from a health standpoint it'd be better for him just not to play golf or has he played so little that he really needs to have a couple of weeks where he plays four consecutive rounds yeah i wonder how much rust is there probably some probably some by the way dustin johnson did not shoot 59 he was asked after the round if he was disappointed, and he said, I shot 60. Never going to be disappointed with that. <laughs> Basically. I uh, said, no, never going to be disappointed with putting up that kind of number. Why would anybody be disappointed with that? Missed some putts down the stretch, too, man. Uh, I mean, he, he really could have had 57, which sounds crazy to say out loud, but it was there for him. I mean, the crazy part is he was 11 under through 12 holes. He was standing on 13 t- or on on 12 t at 11 under. That's right. Yeah, he birdied 10 and 11 to get it to yeah. 11 under, and then birdied or uh, made pars on just just a bunch of ho hum pars on 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18 to shoot 60. Pretty good round for DJ. He is in the lead at the Northern Trust in Boston, event number one in the um, FedEx Cup playoffs. All right, the NCAA has said this. They have broken it down into four categories, eligibility, participation, notification, and financial aid. Eligibility. All fall sport student athletes will receive both an additional year of eligibility and additional an additional year in which to complete it. What the heck does that mean? Is that like from the part Department of Redundancy? It's like they don't even know what that means. They just wrote it because it sounded like it was the right thing to say. 
Fall sports student-athletes will receive an additional year of eligibility and an additional year in which to complete it. Maybe that's just pointing out that you can go six years, if necessary. Student-athletes who do not enroll full-time during the 2020 fall term have flexibility in the progress toward degree requirements that must be met for eligibility in future terms. Financial aid. Schools are prohibited from canceling or reducing athletic scholarships if a college athlete in any sport opts not to participate due to COVID. The financial aid of all of fall sport senior student-athletes who take advantage of the additional year of eligibility and extended clock will not count against team limits next year. Again, I think, that, I think you've got all kinds of problems with that. You're saying, well, we're just going to you know, let next year's seniors not count against scholarship numbers. And th- th- that's not enough. One year of seniors does not fix having two no. freshman classes at the exact same time. It's dumb. And what they need to do, and I saw somebody suggest today that they are going to work on uh, a decrease in roster size over the, the following four years. Well, well, then hurry up. Yeah. But what can that look like? So what do you do, 110 they, next year? Out how then... big of a, but, Borky, they don't think ahead. Of course not. And, and if they think ahead, they certainly don't tell anybody they're thinking ahead. They just say, we're going to fix this problem right now. And we know there's going to be another problem as a result of not fixing all the problems right now, but we'll fix that down the road. And we, we can't be asked to do too many things in one day. Okay, whatever. we got to have 327 meetings with 426 different councils to figure out how to do what is common sense and logical and needs to be done. They've got to, uh, schools have got to notify, are required to review current insurance coverage for all student athletes who are competing this fall. They've got to inform the student athletes about the risk classification of their sport. And they've got to inform student athletes how the mandates and the resocialization of collegiate sport document are being met at their campus. Okay. Schools are prohibited from requiring student-athletes to waive legal rights regarding COVID-19 as a condition of participation. Does that mean that student-athletes could voluntarily sign a waiver? They're prohibited from requiring those signatures. Could student-athletes do that voluntarily? I don't know the answer to that. One of the more bureaucratic organizations puts out a whole much more bureaucracy on this Friday. That is very par for the course for the National Collegiate Athletics Association. We're glad to be with you. One hour left. We're going to roll into the weekend in the 5 o'clock hour with you right here on Sports Talk Mississippi. Watching the sun bake All of those tourists covered with oil Headed into the weekend. Welcome to the weekend. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, thanks for being with us on this Friday. Glad to have you along. 
You want to be part of the conversation? C Spire text line is the best way for you to do just that. 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Hit us up. Be funny. Be witty. Be informative. Got a question? Whatever it is, we'd love to hear from you on the C Spire text line. Want more fast and less furious? Switch to C Spire Fiber and see what real internet looks like. No data caps, no long-term contracts, no cancellation fees. Don't settle for slow speeds, lousy reliability, and bad customer service from the other guys. With C Spire, C Spire Fiber, you get gigabit speeds, over 99% reliability, and local 24-7 support, so nothing slows you down. See if C Spire Fiber is available in your area now at cspire.com slash fiber. What are you going to do this weekend, Borky? Honestly, haven't thought about it. That's very non-Brian hate out of you. I haven't thought about it at all. What am I going to do this week? You realize today's Friday. Yeah, I just, you know, vacation kind of threw me off a little bit. Um, oh, Ooh, man. Short work week for you. It was a short one. And last week, too. It was kind of nice. Um, I did, there is a a, uh, a store down the street from my house now that sells fresh seafood that they ship in from the Gulf. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. So I was inspired by uh, some oysters I had on vacation. I might do some uh, char-grilled oysters of my own. I think that's going to be the play. But that's just off the top of my head. I completely forgot that today was Friday, honestly. Have you already mowed your yard since you've been home? Oh, I can't still. Um, Oh, that's right. Are you you having to pay somebody to mow your yard these days? uh, My father-in-law has done it a couple of times now. Uh, I had... An appointment on Wednesday, and it, there's, a, I mean, one of the ligaments was at least fully torn, and he is concerned at the amount of blood that's still there, so mm-hmm. it's still pretty swollen. Yeah. And these next few weeks are critical because if it doesn't get any better, then going under the knife. But knock on wood, I won't have to do that. Uh oh. Uh oh. You'd have to miss another couple of days of work. Oh, I know, right? That would just be terrible. I hate missing work, though. I. I guess I'm lucky enough to to have the job that I do, but I've kind of always been this way. Believe it or not, I hated missing class in college. I wasn't a big studier. It was just kind of like, look, you know, I can get the grades to get a degree and not really care, so that's what I'm going to do. But if I missed a class, it caused, like, recurring dreams. I still have them sometimes where, like, I walk into class and everybody's turning in something that I don't have or everybody's getting ready for a test that I wasn't aware was happening. Mm-hmm. I still have that dream sometimes. Yeah. So I I never miss class. I I don't like missing days of work. I, I hate that stuff. I don't dream a lot, and I don't do nightmares. I mean, I, I guess something could change, and maybe that could be part of my sleep pattern at some point in the future. But generally, it's not. But I have like the the only like wake me up in the middle of the night with cold sweat scary dream I have is that I get to a television or radio assignment having not prepared. And it scares me to death. Like, will wake me up out of a rock-solid sleep. I've got Mississippi State and Auburn in basketball tonight. I didn't do my charts. (laughs) and And the reality is... You might could wing it once. I mean, it'd be a terrible precedent. But, 
I mean, even like like how many times did I do a Vanderbilt game last year? Seven, seven, nine, something like that. Vanderbilt basketball games last year. But even to the very end, it's like I was looking for new information, and I would—I I mean, I kept kind of the the basics, but I would update stuff week to week and change things. And it's just that—that that is my phobia. Is I get there, and I don't know what to say, don't know what to do. Something happens, and I'm not prepared for it. And it, it yeah, that was um that bothers me. Number uh, number thirteen there, uh, who made that shot? His name is uh, googling the roster. I've, yeah. Ooh, I've never done. I, I've wanted to do play by play on radio, just like a high school football game or something. Hopefully, that opportunity comes. I never thought I'd want to until like the last couple of years. Yeah. And it's, I don't think I will ever be good enough to do it on TV like you do. I'm, first of all, way far behind. Uh, so getting in the door now would probably be tough for me anyway. But I've yeah, wanted to give it a shot. Especially right now, ESPN is yeah. not doing a lot of hiring right now. In fact, it's kind of going the other way. I mean, they um, had to air an Eagles concert that took place in like 2014, a couple weeks ago. So yeah. they're, they're kind of scrambling right now. I've wanted to do it. I just am afraid it would be a disaster. Because I, I don't think... Calling hockey, especially. I don't know if you've ever listened to a hockey game on the radio. Probably not. But just use like an app and try it for five minutes. I don't know how their brain works that fast. Because not only is the sport up and down and fast and the puck's constantly moving, but they're getting names correctly. So somehow, there's no way they're looking at a chart when this is going on. They have to memorize the names of these guys, get the names right, and call the action, which is so fast, all in real time, and they do it flawlessly. There's no possible way, no matter how hard I practiced, I could ever call hockey on TV or radio. It's too fast, and I'm too slow and stupid. There's a big difference in TV and radio. Oh, yeah. Especially with basketball, too, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because you're describing everything, or almost everything, on radio... And you're doing much, much, much less of that on the television side of things. So, hey, look, we still got time to squeeze it in. Let's get to the college football fix. Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Mississippi State will be without an important piece of its defense during this 10-game conference-only schedule that is slated to begin on September 26th in Baton Rouge against LSU. Junior cornerback Tyler Williams is opting out of the season because of concerns about the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. His mother confirmed her uh, her son's decision with the uh, Clarion Ledger. Now, Mike Leach met with reporters Tuesday after practice, and I think it was Brian Haydad that asked about Tyler Williams. And at that point, he said he had not, not had any conversations with players who wanted to opt out, said he would welcome anybody's right to make such a decision, did not participate, Williams did not, in the first practice on Tuesday. And at the time, Leach said he wasn't sure why he wasn't on the field. And I think that was the line of questioning where he said, but I'll get an answer in the next half an hour or so. Now he knows. Williams is the only Mississippi State player who has to this point opted out. 
joins a growing list of players across the country that will not play this fall, including former high school teammate Eli Johnson of Ole Miss. So they played together at Lafayette High School in Oxford. So Tyler Williams at Mississippi State, Eli Johnson at Ole Miss, uh, both have opted out this year. Williams was in line to be a starter on Mississippi State's defensive line after Cam Dantzler elected to skip his senior season to go into the draft. Senior Maury Smitherman, uh, Smitherman graduated, and sophomore Jerry and Jones transferred out. So those departures left Tyler Williams and sophomore Martin Emerson Jr. as the most experienced corners on Mississippi State's roster. Emerson started five games as a true freshman, should still be a stalwart on one side, and Williams who started five games last year, leaves a void on the other. So, you you think Mike Leach, you think offense. No question. But the losses on the defensive side of the ball from a year ago and the addition of this really kind of point to some issues that Mississippi State could, could potentially have on the defensive side. Yeah, and that's why I I keep trying to point to people – and people get offended by that. I, I don't understand. Um, my Twitter mentions recently have told you that people don't like when you're being honest with them. And that this is another example of what could be some growing pains in year one. That's a Mississippi State defense that lost a lot just from regular roster attrition from one season to the next. And you've had a handful of transfers and now an opt-out. I mean, two projected starters transferred. Now you've got this opt-out here. So... These expectations that some people have of five, and I've even seen somebody throw out six wins, I keep trying to be cautious, and here's why. It's not even really the offense, even though there's question marks over there, too. It's defensively, there's a lot of inexperience. They could be good, but we don't know for sure. And when you're playing a 10-game conference-only schedule, with this many new faces and inexperienced faces, could be trouble. That's all I'm saying. That's your college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. We will take a timeout and keep rolling through this 5 o'clock hour on Friday. Intended to get to this yesterday, and we just ran out of time. Just a lot going on this week. Matt Corral, after Wednesday's practice for Ole Miss, or was it after yesterday's practice? I guess it was after yesterday's practice. Is that right? I think it was Wednesday night. Yeah. Anyway, after either Wednesday or yesterday's practice, Matt Corral met with members of the Ole Miss media and had some pretty interesting things to say about whether or not he was really going to transfer, what he sees his role within this offense, and a lot of other things. And want to give you a chance to hear that right now. So this is Matt Corral, maybe the starting quarterback for Ole Miss, maybe the backup, but Ole Miss quarterback. I really haven't had a chance to talk to you since last season. I was just curious, with Lane Kiffin getting this job, how much did that have to do with you deciding to come back? Because there was talk out there that, you may have been considering transferring and things like that. Uh, did Kiffin play a part in you deciding you were going to come back and battle for this job? Uh, I was never going to leave. 
Um, I mean, Kiffin, Kiffin was a big, you know, cherry on top for me personally. But uh, as far as like transferring, was it ever in my mind? Of course, it was in my mind. But, you know, I didn't want to have to deal with all that extra stuff and everything that came with that. And like, I like I knew what I had in front of me. I know what I could do better. And I'm like, um, I knew what I where I went wrong last year. I'll follow up on that, Matt. Where where do you think it went wrong last year? You said you, you kind of knew where you made mistakes yeah. or whatever. Could you yeah. elaborate on that? Yeah. So I mean, this year I I thought I was working hard last year. I thought I was, and you know, doing what we had to do. What what was uh, like we were supposed to do the extra stuff. Where, where's the quarterbacks? So they're supposed they're supposed to be the last ones to leave. They're supposed to be the first ones. And I think as a unit, we've done a hell of a job this year by far this is the hardest i've ever worked since since i was trying to earn a scholarship at um what is this competition like is it close i mean we've we've heard uh coach kiffin tell us monday that, that you and john rice were a little bit ahead what what is your view of the competition and has anyone surprised you in the competition um you know we're really not we really try not to keep it like going against each other. We really try to uh, focus on ourselves and get better on ourselves and what we need to work on as a group mentally. But like personally, it would be like one day, Oh, I messed up my, my shirt, my drops. I messed up my pocket movement. And then JR would be the same thing. And uh, it would be finishing the throw. So like those three things and just taking them out to practice and applying it from the meetings to the practice, that's where we're taking the steps forward. And as far as like getting ahead, we're meeting, we're meeting on a, as a unit at 5.30, 5.45 in the morning by ourselves. Like it's just, it just started with us. And then it, it was this ripple effect throughout the whole uh, quarterback room. Then everybody started, do, started doing it. And then it's just a normal thing now. So it's like the little things like that, I think is good is what's going to make the difference. Matt, this is your third offensive coordinator in three years, third scheme in three years. Is there anything different about this scheme that might take advantage of your skills more or is it all just kind of terminology is different but the plays are the same uh definitely different terminology of course different um the the reason we do things is different but i think what we could take away from this year is that we understand why we're doing what we're doing as a quarterback like we know why we're reading the single side safety we know why we're reading the C-gap. We know why when they go a three down, we have to read the C-gap. So just having an understanding of why we're doing things and then why they're calling the plays and where the coaches want the ball, I think that's what's that's what's so good about this system, in my opinion. Yeah, Matt, uh, I just want your early impressions on Kenny Yaboa at the tight end spot and also what you're seeing out of, out of the group of wide receivers. Kenny, Kenny's been making a huge jump. He's uh, he's really been uh, been being a leader and taking that whole group with him. And that's like that's a big thing is getting leaders in each room. And it's just it doesn't have to be one person. It doesn't have to be the senior. It could be anybody in that room. And I think uh, the older guys have done a good job of of doing that. And as, as a unit, as a receivers group, I think lately we've been getting uh, getting the ball rolling. Uh, I think after the OTAs, you got to feel after the OTAs is when we really started putting it together. 
Yeah, Matt, this is going to sound like a trick question. I don't mean for it to be. Um, some of the national media sort of have already kind of coronated John Rice a little bit. You've been down that road where you started a season as the guy. Does it does that motivate you at all that that people sort of have already just sort of assumed that that it's his job? Um, I don't really pay attention to any of that. You know, I worry about myself when it comes to that kind of stuff. You know, just focus on myself. It's not a competition. I'm competing with myself. Hey, Matt, uh, going back to a question or two ago, you were talking about the the ease in understanding this offense and knowing why you're making certain reads, doing certain things. Was it difficult to understand why you were doing those things last year? It's not that it was difficult. We just we just we weren't taught why. Like we weren't taught we weren't taught in depth of what we are what we are doing now. Matt, I'm sure you've got a lot of friends back west who were affected by the Pac-12 cancellation. Just kind of what's it been like for you watching what was happening out there and how difficult is you for just dealing with this situation? Yeah, it's been it's been crazy, honestly. This is a crazy time we're living in right now. And uh, I know the West Coast is way different from the East Coast and the South. But um, you know, I feel for those guys that, that got to wait till the spring and then it's got to – roll over back into the fall, I think. I don't know how that's going to work, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy we get to play, and I know that uh, our, our, our team is as well, and we're very excited to get out there. Matt, um, I guess the door's kind of been left open that this could result in being a two-quarterback system, and you guys got a little taste of that last year. Uh, how, you, how you would feel about that if that's how it worked out? Whatever it takes to win. Doesn't does not matter. Matt, it kind of seems like you took more of a responsibility on your own shoulders to kind of just try to take that leap, learn the stuff this year. What kind of spawned that just kind of realizing that maybe you weren't working as hard as you thought you were? Well, shoot. I mean, for me personally, it wasn't working. I wasn't I wasn't successful last year. Why? You know, that that's what I asked myself. I was asking myself why? Why wasn't this working? What did I do wrong? And, you know, it all came down to the, with my work ethic there. And, then, you know, it takes a lot of sacrifices when you when you realize you you, you, you got to do what you got to do. But at the end, it's it's not a sacrifice. It's, a, it's an investment for what you're doing in the future. And I think as honestly, like the team as a whole has taken a big leap from 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 last year to this year. As far as that goes. Hey, Matt, there have been a lot of uh, images on social media of uh, large gatherings, people without masks, a lot of them college students. Uh, you know, what do you think when you see those? Are you confident that you and your teammates can stay out of situations and stay safe? You know, I, I feel like we're very I'm very confident in what we're doing here. Um, you know, the, the, uh, all the staff, uh, everybody, the, the um the doctors, they've all done a great job of, you know, keeping us healthy, making sure we're where we we are where we need to be and have what we need to have. And uh, as far as just health-wise, just being a step ahead of that. So, you know, very thankful for those guys in the training room, you know, laying there, doing everything they can for us. So that was Matt Corral. Some uh, some interesting stuff. Maybe nothing more interesting than the very first question that he got. I, I think it was David Johnson that asked the uh, question about you know thoughts of transferring, and 
he said, sure, I'll be honest, I thought about it, but that he had made the decision already that he was going to stay put, knew what was in front of him, and was going to try to get better. And it's kind of an interesting take. He said Lane Kiffin coming in was the cherry on top that that made it even easier to to go down that road. But Borky, that kind of kind of flies in the face of a lot of what we thought was kind of the case after last season before the change was made. Yeah, maybe uh, he wanted to to wait and see uh, how it was going to be handled. I, I thought the answer about uh, self reflection uh, was pretty mature for a young guy. I mean. He has so many reasons to blame everyone and everything else about why last year went the way it did. I mean, the handling of the quarterback position was a joke. The offense, I mean, we've covered it many, many times. Then his coach gets fired. He could have blamed anybody else for why last year didn't go well, and he said he decided to look at why it didn't go right for him and not worry about anything else. That's that's a mature approach that I would not have had at 19 years old. All right, so Matt Corral, as a freshman, true freshman, played in four or fewer games. Right. So he was able to redshirt. And so last year was his redshirt freshman year, and this year is not going to count in terms of eligibility. After this year, we'll get to this in a second. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. All right, so I started talking out before the break and just ran out of time because I wanted to expound on this a little bit. This ruling by the NCAA today that this year doesn't count for any fall sport athletes. They they get the year back and their clock gets extended a year as well. So so it's no it's no longer you know five to play five or five to play four or you know whatever five five to play four plus the four potential games you could play and still redshirt. That's out the window. You've now got. Six years, technically. And that's crazy when you say that, but when you start thinking about what it really means. So Matt Corral played in four games as a freshman and was still able to redshirt, so he got that year back. Last year he was a starter for part of the season as a redshirt freshman. Second year in the program. So he has played in two different seasons. This year he's a redshirt sophomore, third year in the program could conceivably be the starting quarterback, and if he stays healthy and plays well, could potentially play in every single game, all 10 games this year. And then would again be a redshirt sophomore next year. That would be his fourth year in the program. And then he could be a redshirt junior the following year. That'd be 2022. And then could be a like a red shirt asterisk senior in 2023, he could play in games potentially in six consecutive seasons at the quarterback spot at Ole Miss. That's insane. Yeah. Think about it at Mississippi State. KJ Costello, grad transfer. Only got one year in Starkville. What if he puts up good numbers, but not numbers to the point where he gets an NFL draft grade that he feels comfortable with and elects to come back for a second year in Mike Leach's offense at Mississippi State. 
you could get a one-year grad transfer that ends up playing two years. What about Mac Jones at Alabama? He was behind Jalen Hurts and Tua. Tua gets hurt, plays pretty well down the stretch last year as a redshirt sophomore. He's a redshirt junior this year if he wins the job. And, you know, you've got the talented young Bryce Young on campus as well. Let's say Mac Jones wins the job and plays this year. But this year doesn't count. He could play this year, next year, and the following year after playing a little bit last season in what was his third year in the program. It's crazy. In that perspective, it's good for college football. I still have spent the last hour thinking of how the best course of action for the NCAA is to solve this. Because if they say just for one year, and and maybe this won't be how they approach it, but your roster limit for next season is 110. Then it's down to 85 the year after. There's no way they can do that. So what's the best course of action for the NCAA? Is it to go from 110 to 100 to 90 to 85? Is that how you have to do it? Or is, is 10 scholarships a year too much? That's usually a really significant penalty on their part. So do you go 110 to 105 to 100 to 95? to? I mean, how do you work this out? Because all they've created, as you've mentioned a couple of times, is somewhere along the way, somebody's getting screwed. It's either uh, a player that's going to get processed out of the program where they don't really want him to, or the recruiting classes are going to be smaller. Because if you are creating this... For the next few years, a constant need to, or not need, but unless you're cutting someone, your roster size is over 100. So in order to get back down to 85, you're forcing programs to cut kids just for numbers or to not sign kids just for numbers. So what's the best way to do that? I've been thinking about it. I can't quite figure out how they should approach this. Is there a quarterback that was a true freshman last year that played well somewhere? Bo Nix. Bo Nix. And Bo Nix may, you know, Bo Nix, maybe he's an NFL prospect. But what if he's not an NFL prospect? What if Bo Nix turns into a five-year starter at Auburn? He'll have... Two PhDs by then. What if Kyle Trask is not an NFL prospect and he returns for a third season as the starter under Dan Mullen next year? What if Jamie Newman turns out to be great at Georgia and they get him an extra year next year? Does JT Daniels transfer out again? Yep. One of those two will because they've been given an extra year. And the, the quarterback position is interesting because, to your point, like let's say Bo Nix is just – he never develops into an NFL prospect. just doesn't happen for him. I mean, Auburn's not going to stop recruiting quarterbacks. I mean, who's to no, say – No, they're not. So who's to say that they won't bring in some five-star kid that they believe in and then Bo Nix transfers or decides to hang it up? You know, that, that's the, the delicate balance they're going to have with loyalty to their guy that they're winning with, but also – signing more kids that may have to wait four years now to play. Miles Brennan is a what? 
We've talked about it. He's a redshirt sophomore. Is that correct? I always have trouble with his classification. He's listed as a junior. He played in 17, 18, and 19. But I don't think he I think he played in fewer than four games. So I think he's got two years. Miles Brennan, not counting this year, could end up as a three-year starter at LSU. Yeah, he is a redshirt sophomore in 2017, played in six games, redshirted his sophomore year, played in one game, and then played in ten games a year. He was a backup last year. So he could play... This is his... So he's he has burned two seasons of eligibility. So he's got four years to play, though, including this one. Because he would have his redshirt sophomore, his redshirt junior, his redshirt senior year. So he's got three years to play right now. So he was true freshman and then redshirt freshman. And last year he was a redshirt sophomore. Yeah. Last year was yes, his third. Right. So, yep. so he's yep. a redshirt yep. junior he's this got three year. Years. So he can play this year as a redshirt junior. Next year as a redshirt junior, and the follow- he could be a three-year starter at quarterback at LSU because of this ruling by the NCAA today. Don't know if he'll be around that long. I mean, maybe he develops into an... I mean, look, theoretically, I mean, Trevor Lawrence could decide he doesn't like money, he has no interest in the NFL, and could play three more seasons at Clemson. He could win four national championships. Good. Theoretically. Uh, In today's headlines are misleading. Um, Michael Casagrande is a good reporter. Works at AL.com. He tweeted this. University of Alabama on-campus testing had a 29% positivity rate Thursday. It was less than 1% on re-entry tests. You read that and you go, what? 29% of the students at Alabama tested positive for COVID? Yeah, you read the story, and they had multiple on-campus testing sites available. And yesterday, in one of those on-campus testing sites, they had a 29% positivity rate. But they don't tell you how many actually tested. And at the other places, despite the re-entry test being less than 1% positive, which were for all the students... At the other on-campus testing sites, they were at 4%, 5% positive. So misleading. That's why, how it's been. Why? 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 Agenda. Why do you do it this way? Now, now Alabama has reacted, and they've put a bunch of restrictions on campus, and you know they're trying to crack down on it and get a hold of it and not let this get out of control. But let's not pretend like a 29% positivity rate means that 9,000 students at Alabama tested positive for COVID yesterday. That's what that headline leads you to believe. Mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, why though? Why are they? Why are we doing this? I'm using we collectively. Uh, because it's it's a media problem, but it's agenda. That that's it's it's simply agenda, whether it be political. Or, or personal where they're, I mean, just out of complete fear. I, I'm with you. I, it, it's agenda, though. 
And facts can tell you a lot of things, especially when it comes to something like this that requires so much nuance, and it's just not given. Things are spun to make it sound the worst, and I guess what these people... What's so confusing about why these people do this is their livelihoods are directly tied to these things going on as scheduled, and when you perpetuate a half... Not half-truth, but a fact in such a way that makes it look like it shouldn't happen when it doesn't that means your job goes away too i don't understand it sports talk mississippi we Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.